If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Thanks again for joining me and spending some time on this mini-series on identity. You'll remember that in the first two sessions, we spent time talking about first personal identity, and then in the second session, we spent time talking about ministry identity. And I gave you an assignment for each one, and I'm hopeful that you've taken some time since you visited here uh, to think through both of those questions and did a little bit of homework together in reflecting on your own sense of who you are and your calling. Today, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking with you about identity in crisis. Now, what I mean by this is not so much that you might be going through an identity crisis of asking who you are, but I'm talking about the idea that that every one of us goes through crises in our lives in which it is our identity that anchors us secure and holds us firm. And there are a lot of different features to that and a lot of different ways to talk about that. But I'd like to share with you just five items or five points that might help you think about this idea of your identity when you are walking through crisis moments. If I could put a word picture in your mind, uh, driving through the plains of the Midwest or perhaps anywhere, and you might see some of these very tall towers, radio towers. I'm not sure exactly what they are, but they're these very tall towers. They reach up hundreds of feet into the sky. And when you look at the bottom of those, the bottom of those towers comes to a very, very singular point at the bottom. And it's resting on one point in a giant cement foundation. Now, looking at those from a distance, All you see is that tall tower and the singular point at the bottom. And you may wonder, how in the world can that tower stay tall and straight? How in the world does it keep from falling over, especially if a wind comes along or a storm of crisis comes along? How in the world does the tower stay straight? As you get a little closer, you drive a little closer, you begin to see some very fine lines extending from various levels of that tower out to a much broader footprint around the tower, anchored and holding it firm and straight. You see, it's not the principal foundation of that tower that keeps it from falling. It is a multiplicity of points surrounding the tower with guy wires that are holding it firm so that when a 100-mile-an-hour wind or a 50-mile-an-hour wind or a storm or a tornado comes by, that tower remains tall and straight. Those guy wires are what hold it to be true to what it was intended to be. And in like fashion, there are some guy wires, I call them guy wires or cables, in your life that you need to be investing in to keep you straight, to keep you tall, to keep you fixed in terms of your own sense of identity when the winds blow and the storms come. And they will. First point about this 
crisis that can often um, besiege your life, the first point here is that crisis will always come. When you build a tower in North Texas, you know that there are going to be storms that are going to come. It's just a fact of life. So in your life, you know that storms will come. There is never going to be a time in your life where that you can be assured that you're going to have everything peaceful and no crises will present themselves, especially if you're in relationship with other people, if you're in a job, even within a marriage, within the family structure, crises will always come. Those storms are always going to hit. If you can view those not so much as crises, but as challenges and opportunities to strengthen your identity, now you are turning the circumstances into an instrument of God that will forge you and anchor you more deeply in who you are. So identity in crisis can go deeper and deeper with each passing circumstance. See them as opportunities to forge the call of God in terms of who you truly are as a child of God, created in the image of God, called by God, a servant of God. Crises will come and they forge the calling that God has in your life. Second thing I would encourage you to do when those moments come, is to recognize your inadequacies and deficiencies. Recognize that, that if you are that tall tower with one fixed point at the bottom, recognize that you have limitations. And in your own singular, solitary, isolated sense of self, you are not going to be able to withstand the crisis or the storm or the circumstance that's coming. Acknowledge that you have deficiencies. Acknowledge that you are inadequate in your own self. Acknowledge that you, that you can't do this alone. Because the life that assumes that you can withstand anything and you don't need anybody is surely the life that will come crashing down when crisis approaches. So acknowledge your inadequacies and acknowledge your limitations as a human being striving after Christ-likeness and realizing that you do not have it within yourself to do this by yourself. That is, I think, what uh, Jesus talks about even in the Beatitudes. Mourning, a mournful heart, a mournful life. When I think about a life of mourning, blessed are they that mourn, it's not just that we mourn the loss of a loved one, it's that we mourn the reality that we in and of ourselves are inadequate. We have deficiencies. Now, when you come to that point, crisis does not become so severe. Your identity has an opportunity to flourish and hold you in place. And that singular point that you are relying on is not going to be sufficient to hold you upright. A third that's related to this is to live vulnerably. 
Vulnerability is an important part of Christian discipleship. Now, vulnerability is different than transparency. Transparency is when I show you things about my life, but I retain control of those things. I tell you what I want you to know to gain your proximity or your friendship. Vulnerability is when I show you things about my life and I give you control, even control to hurt me with what you know. See, I become completely vulnerable. Like God became vulnerable when he became incarnate. He became a human being. He became vulnerable to us. He exposed his heart, his life to us, even to the point where he allowed us to hurt him with what we knew about him. And we did. We crucified him. You see, vulnerability is much more than transparency. And I'm encouraging you in these moments of crisis to live vulnerably in the confidence that your identity will hold you secure amidst the storms, the winds, the tornadoes that are surely going to come into your life in the form of crises. Vulnerability implies interdependence. You see, there's a difference between interdependence and independence. Now, our 21st century global culture deifies independence. And in the U.S. environment, we talk a lot about freedom and independence. And we talk about standing on our own two feet, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do it on your own. You don't need anybody. I'm going to do this by myself. Leave me alone. Right. That kind of independence will surely lead you to isolation and singularity. And when you live in isolation and singularity, you will fall prey to the crisis. Just like that tower lives solely on the basis of a singular point at the bottom, when a wind comes along, it's surely going to come crashing down. So live vulnerably. Embrace vulnerability. That allows you to move beyond independence and into interdependence. Ephesians. Be mutually submitted to one another as unto the Lord. You see, when you live with a spirit of interdependence, you know that your limitations, your deficiencies that we just talked about in the previous point, will be compensated for, will be filled out by the involvement of others who serve as the guy wires on the tower of your life, holding your identity secure. So a secure person in the moment of crisis, not only acknowledges deficiencies, but also lives vulnerably on the the kingdom principle of interdependence, mutually submitted one to another. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You need the person sitting next to you. As we live vulnerably with one another, we're able to hold each other solid on the foundation of our identity as a child of God, created in his image and called by him. A fourth, stay connected. Stay connected. In other words, don't allow these guy wires to disconnect. Don't jettison those and say, I'm going to do this by myself. It's somewhat related to what I just talked about in living vulnerably. But it also goes the step farther and recognizes that actually in your own formation as a disciple of Jesus, it's the social construct that will transform and form you deeply in your identity. See, when God created us, he created us as social beings. 
And when he talks about social beings, it means that we need relationship. You put somebody in an isolation chamber long enough and they'll go mad. You see, we need one another. Stay connected. Don't isolate. Don't disconnect the guy wires from your life when you're in a crisis. Don't curl up in the fetal position and get under your desk and suck your thumb, right? Don't go into a dark room and isolate yourself because that will lead to further exacerbation of the crisis that you're living in and a further undermining of your very core identity because you were made to be a person in relationship. And it's that social construct, it's that social connection that will help you as you navigate through the crisis that you're facing. Keep those guy wires firmly connected so that when your strength individually and internally falters or fails, you rely on the connection of those in your social network to hold you firm and upright and keep you from crashing. Stay connected. See, when we talk about social holiness, we're not just talking about social activity or social justice. We're talking about the understanding that we pursue God's holiness in the social construct of relationship one another. Small groups come out of this principle, you see. We grow, we are disciples because we rub off on each other in this social connectedness. So in a moment of crisis, don't disconnect the guy wires, stay connected. And lastly, may I encourage you in moments of crisis to remember your last name. Now, Remembering your last name simply means remember who you are. You are a child of God. You are called by God's name. You are filled with God. God has called you to be the person you are. You are in the image of God. Remember your last name. Remember that you belong to God. Go back to the first session, the iceberg. The bottom of your iceberg is formed and forged in an identity that reflects Christ and the image of God. Remember that because there are values and there is stability that comes in the bottom of your iceberg to hold you firm when the waves and the storms are crashing all about you in the top and the top of the waterline. Remember your last name. When I was, uh, had the privilege of taking my children to school uh, and dropping them off. Um, before they would get out of the car, they'd grab their backpack, and before they jump out of the car, uh, occasionally I would ask them this, and they still remember this to this day. I would just simply look at them and say, before you get out of the car, tell me what your last name is. What's your last name? Of course, they'd grumble and they'd say, Dad, I know my last name. Yeah, I know you know your last name. Tell me what your last name is anyway. Dad, you know my last name. Well, yeah, I know your last name. What is it? Say it. Say, ah, it's Manoia. Don't ever forget that. Because when you walk into the school, when you engage with other people, when you engage with bullies, when you engage with people who don't think like you, when you engage with moments that become a crisis with you, it is not your ability to navigate those circumstances that will remain, that will hold you firm and straight and solid. It is remembering your last name that will hold you firm. And whether you get hurt in school, whether you get bullied in school, whether somebody calls you a bad name or they ostracize you and isolate you, you remember what your last name is because there's value and meaning in that last name. And that's who you are, not what they say.
remember your last name in the moment of crisis. So as you navigate crises, may I encourage you in, in a little bit of homework here that you take some time of reflection, ponder what, what we've talked about here, and take a few minutes of prayerful reflection and on a piece of paper, write down perhaps a crisis moment that you have experienced, whether it's recently or over some years ago. Write down a crisis moment and then describe the key elements, maybe the guy wires that have held you stable in that moment of crisis. Or acknowledge that you became isolated, you became disconnected, and you forgot your last name. Write about that crisis and what it was that you did or did not do to hold you firm in those moments. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.